welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Welcome to episode 39 of the IonHoops.com podcast. You guys are going to remember one episode from last summer. We had a fan roundtable comprised of some of the brightest minds on the IonHoops.com message board. No, that's not an oxymoron. Uh, but this time, we're going to the gutter via a different avenue, the social media cesspool known as Twitter. And I've grabbed a couple diehard Iona fans from out there to join me today for yet another fan roundtable. So get ready for some fan feedback on our beloved Iona Hoops program. But before we bring in our guests, we bring in the Iona Iotas. Iona Iotas. Was hoping we'd be able to bring you even more scheduling news this week, but alas, we have no changes in that regard. So I'm just going to recap the out-of-conference schedule as we know it at this time. November 25th to 28th is the attorney in Orlando with Kansas, Alabama, Drake, Belmont, Miami, North Texas, and Dayton. No matchups have been have been uh, posted anywhere so far. Uh, December 12th, Iona's going to be playing Yale at the Barclays Center, part of a quadruple header. December 18th, Iona Gales will be playing Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden, part of a doubleheader with St. John's in Pittsburgh. Um, there's going to be a home game with Hofstra. We don't have a date for that yet. Uh, there's also going to be another home game coming, probably versus a pretty good mid-major. Stay tuned. Uh, and two more neutral site games coming. Um, one versus a pretty good mid-major and one versus a not-so-good mid-major, um, from what I understand. So stay tuned for details on all of that. Anyway, that's nine games so far, up to two more to be scheduled. So stay tuned. Uh, games that are not happening are BYU at Madison Square Garden. They just can't get a agreeable date. Um, Fordham's probably not going to happen this year. It looks like something that might start off next year instead. And the New Mexico uh, game in Las Vegas does not appear it's going to be happening because uh, Rick Pitino Jr. is Brady scared. So anyway, stay tuned for details on the schedule as we move forward. I Iotas. TBT is back. That's the basketball tournament. The event with a whole mess of college alumni teams, including Iona's own Gale Nation, and of course, the Elon ending. Um, and it appears the roster for this year's edition of the Gale, Gale Nation is almost set. Um, some familiar names, of course, Steve Burt Jr., A.J. English, David Lowry, Mike Poole, and T.K. Idogi, and Kelvin Amayo, as well as Taj Ridley uh, in terms of former Gales uh, on the roster. But we have some other additions, uh, Cullen Russo from Fresno State. Uh, Austin Ajukwa from Clemson and Charlotte, uh, Kidar Edwards from Tennessee Martin, and a familiar name to us, Usman Drame from Quinnipiac. So we'll, there could be an addition or two to that. We'll have to see. But that's the roster as we know it right now. Um, stay tuned because the TBT is coming this summer. I a couple of mid-major top 25 polls have trickled out in recent days. I should note, of course, that there's no such thing as an official NCAA-recognized mid-major poll, but they're fun nonetheless. Uh, three recent polls, one by Brian Bennett of The Athletic, one by Riley Davis of Amateur Hour Hoops, and one by Sean Paul of Making the Madness, each have Iona in their top 13. Good to see some solid recognition for our gales before the season gets underway. Okay, buckle up because we're about to have what may end up being by far the longest edition of Offer Roundup we'll ever have, at least until this time next year. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With the live period kicking in, the calls and the Zooms have amped up nationally, and Iona's no exception, with more offers than a Black Friday sale. Two reminders as I hit this list. One, these are reported offers. They have not been verified with the staff in any way. And two, I can guarantee you that Iona's made more offers beyond what's listed here in the last couple of weeks. So away we go. And these guys are all class of 2022 players with a couple of exceptions, which I'll note along the way. All right, we start off with 6-2 point guard Judah Mintz. He's a four-star, but he committed to Pitt just, just a day before this podcast was recorded. So I won't say any more about him, but nice to see Iona in the mix with four-star players. Here come their others. We have 6-10 center Matt Filipowski. He's the number six recruit in New England. He offers offers from Pitt, Illinois, Loyola Chicago, Davidson, and several mid-majors. 
6'8 small forward Prince Mosengo. He's from Florida via the Congo. He's a three-star rivals uh, player, uh, offer from South Florida. 6'5 point guard Chaz Kelly. He's from Houston. He's got offers from Rutgers, LaSalle, LA Tech, and others. 6'6 shooting guard Brian Knight from Katy, Texas. Offers from Washington State, Rice, Wyoming, ODU, and other high mids. 6'2 point guard Chase Cormier. He's from uh, Decatur, Georgia. He's a three-star three top 150 rivals player. Offers from uh, Florida, Ole Miss, Xavier, and several mids. 6'6 point guard Donald Han Jr. out of Virginia Beach. He's a four-star player. He's got offers from UConn, Clemson, Virginia Tech, TCU, LSU, Penn State, and others. 6'9 power forward Jonathan Beagle from Hudson Falls, New York. He's got offers from Pitt, UMass, Siena, and others. 6'7", small forward, Darren Buchanan out of D.C. He's got offers from Rutgers, Seton Hall, GW, URI, VCU, Xavier, and others. 6'6", point guard, Quadir Copeland. He's from Gettysburg, PA. Four-star rivals, top 100 player. Got offers from Maryland, LaSalle, Miami, Oregon, Penn State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, UConn, and others. That would be quite a coup to get him. 6'10", power forward, Ernest I'm going to hope I say his name right. Uda Jr., uh, Orlando-based, uh, three stars, offered from Florida, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kansas, Miami, Seton Hall, Ole Miss, and several others. Uh, another one to be great to land, 6'9", power forward, Chauncey Wiggins, uh, Loganville, Georgia, four-star player, offers from Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, Iowa State, Vandy, and others. And... I like this one too. 6'5", shooting guard R.J. Green from Iona Prep. Just two-star player, has his biggest offer from Hofstra. He's got a lot of offers from other MAC, AE, NEC kind of level schools. Uh, let's see if his recruiting takes off. A couple 2023 recruits to throw in as well. 6'5", small forward uh, Reed Ducharme out of Boston. He's got offers from Stanford, UMass, Iowa, Virginia, Oklahoma, Georgia, Marquette, DePaul, and many others. And 6'5", shooting guard Carl Scherenfont from Calvary Christian in Florida. He's got offers from LSU and Western Kentucky. And that wraps up a very long <laughs> offer roundup. Special thanks to Gale Force on Twitter and Iona86 and IonaHoops.com message board for doing all the legwork and making me look smart sitting here just reading off a bunch of crap. All right, let's get to our fan roundtable. I know you guys have been dying for this one. Uh, we have a pair of Iona diehards who, like me and some of you out there, just love spending our time wasting it, our, actually, on Twitter, bantering about Iona hoops, torturing St. John's fans, tinkling on Fordham when we can, whatever it takes, just having fun talking Iona hoops out there. Uh, we're going to start off by welcoming Brian and James to the program. We're going to start with Brian. Tell us about yourself. What's up, guy? This is awesome. Thanks for... Uh... Thanks for inviting me to this. Um, pretty much just goes back to, uh, I guess, my dad. Um, you, I think you might have met him one time, guy. Uh, he's Albany Gale on uh, on our uh, message board. And okay. um, his uncle, so my great uncle, was a Christian brother at Iona for a very long time. Um, in fact, I think he passed away probably uh, about four years ago. He was 96. Um, big time, uh, Iona basketball fan. I think even at one point he was like the moderator of the basketball team when Valvano was the coach. Um, and, uh, just kind of trickled down to, uh, to my dad. And then, uh, you know, we grew up in Albany and, uh, he, uh, he always brought me to games, especially when they played Sienna, you know, uh, at the, uh, I think back then it was the Knickerbocker arena. And, um, you know, just started from there. Honestly, it was probably the first sport I really started liking was basketball. And, um, you know, just followed Iona since I was a little kid. And uh, what's your Twitter handle so everybody knows where to find you? Oh, yeah. Um, I am at the real Heathy. Um, you want to spell I'm, that out? Spell that out for everybody. Yeah. Just in case you find another one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much it's just the only thing I I talk about Twitter is either Iona or the Mets. That's pretty much it. And most of it's just complaining. I would have to say. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty much it for the, uh, what I talk about on Twitter. And, and most of it is just uh, probably uh, 
lately it's, it's Mets, but once uh, the season starts coming around, I'm sure, uh, you know, once the Iona news starts ramping up, then, uh, you know, I'll be active complaining about the Gales once that season starts. And that's what Twitter is for, really just to complain. That's what I love. Uh, <laughs> James, tell us about yourself. What, what's your Twitter handle? What's going on, um, guy? Thanks for putting this together. I know I've been badgering you for like six months about getting getting Brian and I on the podcast. I'm glad we were finally able to pull it together. Um, my Twitter handle is at J Augone A U G O N E, um, and uh, <clears throat> I, I became an Iona fan when I got in and and decided to go there. I rode for I rode during my time at Iona, 03 to 07. Um, I was the mascot during the 06 season when uh, when we. Um, when we made the tournament and that is one of those moments that will always be seared into my memory because I was sitting, sitting at the, I think it was Pepsi. I think it was the Pepsi arena at that point. I don't think it was times union center yet. No six. And I'm standing in front of the student section and we knew we were going to win. We were up like 10 points with like a minute to play, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's coaching now at Hudson Valley community college. He was a yeah, yeah, Kenny. Kenny's already pulled his jersey over his head. Clock <laughs> hits zero. Storm the court. And if if you've ever if you've never seen a mascot helmet before, it's basically just a hockey helmet with the head built around it. And I've got it buckled, but it's kind of loose. And I get bum rushed. And like like head head rips backwards. Helmet comes off. And my friend and my teammate, Tim Malay, was right behind me. And he knew I was the mascot. He wasn't supposed to. He saw me walking around athletics in the suit before one of the games. And he just tips the helmet back on my head. So nobody knows that it's me. And then, you know, chaos ensues. And we go on to lead LSU at the half and then lose by, like, I think 13, I think, was the final final spread on that one. But that was such a fun year. Probably um, me that knocked you over. I, I rushed the court at that game too. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I think Mike Bronane was in the front row too. Like there was just so many, like, like all of, all of the people that I knew were in the front row. Um, and just, I just remember just getting, like I got carried off of my feet for a second there because of the rush from it. Cause I wasn't ready for it. I, I knew we were going to run, but I'm in a big clown shoes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, you know, Iona is, Iona is a passion and it's a place. And for me, that has always just been home, you know what I mean? Since I got there. I mean, I remember when I got in, when they were still doing the holiday tournament uh, at the garden, my cousin went to Marist and he's like, come on, we're going to go see Marist and Iona play. And Iona just throttled them. And anytime I can make fun of my cousin, because he's so much better than I am. Anytime I can make fun of him for, uh, for, uh, for Iona beating them. It's, yeah. it's always a good day. So, but that's, that's of that, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna, that's, that's awesome. I and mean, people ask me, Oh, you must've been really involved when you were at the, at the college itself. And I said, no, I wasn't, you know what? I don't know. I was there in the late eighties and into, yeah. into the early nineties and I don't was pretty not bad. They were very average, you know, yeah. and they didn't really do anything. They certainly didn't win the Mac tournament when I was there. I mean, I had a group of friends. We used to, we used to, and this is back, you know, before when the, when, Heinz was still Mulcahy and it was much older. We used to sit like the very top row of like the general session side and play poker during the games because it was, and we would just yell things randomly because it, it was just like they were, you know, they come in, they lose to like whoever by 10 at home. And it was like, yeah. there was just no interest. I mean, it was, there was no real interest. And LaSalle was just destroying everybody back then. And uh, I, I, so I just really wasn't involved while I was there. It wasn't until much later. Um, and the, until the internet really came around and that's when I started getting involved more. Well, and the thing is, is when, when we were there, when, when Brian and I were there, like my first two years, nobody, like, like a couple diehards would go to games. Um, and like the, the Mulcahy maniacs or where they were, that's what the Maroon maniacs were at the time. They weren't a big thing. Like first two years of basketball games, like nobody went, like, I, I think I went to like three games my first two years there. It wasn't until we yeah, had, I- it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't until the 05, 06 season with Carol and mm-hmm. Steve Jr. and Ricky and all those guys and, and Anthony Byrne was a freshman. A bit, started, I would say it started a little bit before that the year before when Iona kind of went on a pretty good run there uh, towards the end of the season. I remember going to a lot of games in uh, in 05 when when those guys you know were all juniors, you know. Yeah. And uh, and what was the guy? I can't, I can't remember. I, honestly, I think they might have won the MAC that year in 2005 too. But uh, what was it Greg Jenkins? I think he like heard his oh, dad yeah. out for like. 
but he was just on fire and you know they were they were playing really well and I don't know if he even played in the MAC tournament but yeah but, I, but team was, those teams were here and uh and that's when I started remembering like it started to kind of like as that season went on you know it started to get more fans and then obviously what you're saying in 06 was just uh best oh, yeah. I, that was the best Iona team I ever you know I could ever remember and um you know <laughs> that was such a fun year yeah, yeah, I think that was 06 was didn't I know we beat Iowa State. Didn't we yes. almost beat Louisville or almost beat we almost beat someone either at Louisville or at Kentucky that year? Kentucky. I just realized that there was a nexus there. Kentucky, that was when Rajon Rondo was on their team. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those were fun years. And then obviously my senior year, we went two and twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that around here. We don't talk about uh, that. Yet. That's a dark year. <laughs> All right. So that's cool that we, we covered an area that you guys remember your fandom really kicking it up. And then the 2010s came and it was just a decade of excellence under Tim Close. Uh, Brian, why don't you start off? Tell me about what just your your enjoyment over the de- de- decade of basketball. Honestly, the, the first time I ever remember even Tim Close's name being brought up was, you know, I just obviously, you know, being at Iona and working around the area, just driving around, listening to WFAN is, is actually a St. John's fan called up uh, Mike Francesa and he, and uh, he wanted them to hire Tim Clouse and, and Clouse at the time said, you know, don't think he's the right guy. Don't think he's ready. And I think they ended up must have hired, I think what Steve Lavin instead. Yeah. Um, but then Iona got uh, Clouse maybe the next year. And um, I mean, right from the set, right from the get go. I mean, they were just, I mean, I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, like, it's just, especially those first couple of teams he had too. I mean, they were probably the most talented, um, and you know, 90 points was pretty much what you felt they were going to score every single game. And there was some teams that could keep up, but other teams couldn't. And it was, they would just blow people out of the water in some games. And, um, it was, you knew every single time going to the game was going to be exciting. And I love bringing, you know, people that weren't even like that big time basketball fans. I bring to the game and say, Hey, listen, just watch this. You might not know, you know, who the team they're playing is, but, uh, you know, this is this is some fun basketball to watch here. Um, it's it's incredible. It's just if defense is your thing, obviously, you know, probably not probably not going to be a big Tim Clues fan. But if you want to see, you know, almost two hundred points a night, maybe uh, <laughs> can't really beat it. <laughs> and well, I mean, they almost won the Mac his first year too. I mean, like yeah. just think about like how much, how many times they were just always just winning, winning. You know. <laughs> just in general and in March, it was just the most incredible thing. And we're so spoiled because of him that, you know, if we don't make it to the Mac final or win the Mac, it's just like, it's a terrible year, you know, like what's going on. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the guy's a legend and, and nobody will ever do better. I mean, I, honestly, Patino probably can't do any better. I mean, unless maybe they like win a bunch of games in the NCAA tournament. I mean, you just can't do what he did. And, and what you would think about, too, is how much better the MAC was in the early 2010s and where, yeah. where Tim's better teams couldn't yeah. even win the tournament. And then, oh you know, you get to the end of this, the end of the decade and the MAC drops off so much that even some of Tim's weaker teams found a way. And not there were never weak teams, right. but weaker for sure than those teams. Uh, imagine if if they had won some of the, a little more, maybe in the early part of the decade. I mean, you'd be talking. I mean, it would just be insane i mean they still won a lot i mean uh, it's just amazing uh james what do you thought what do you think i mean i think yeah i mean i think you know i think we i agree we personally as a fan i've been spoiled for the last 20 years i'm a i'm a patriots fan and i'm a and i'm Ugh, an iona fan don't get me started and then the cat I, I like the caps the caps won the stanley cup and the nats won the world series i've been all of my teams have hit in the last 20 years so so i'm i'm really lucky and i'm really spoiled and i think i think we took it for granted for a while i think you know, Brian mentioned how strong those those early 2010 teams were, you know, and how strong the Mac was. You know, you had Jason Thompson at Ryder, you know, Loyola before they left. And then, you know, uh, Monmouth coming in and King Rice with his teams in, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, whenever he came in and Monmouth came in. And those teams were just like out of this world. And then Marist was good at any given year at times, you know, they could they could be a challenge. And Siena had great teams, you know, good teams. I wouldn't say great teams, but they had good teams. But the top to bottom, the MAC, you know, there wasn't really any any dogs in the MAC. Really, maybe St. Peter's for a couple of years, but it's it's really interesting. And the the way that he did it over the you know the nine or ten years that he was here, 
you know, it was a run and gun and he liked to get out and score, but by the end of it, they were, we were playing defense and it wasn't, you know, a full court press sort of thing or wasn't man up defense, but he knew how to hold a team to 60, 70 points. That way we didn't need 90 anymore. We only needed 75, 80 to get to the win. And we were still, you know, winning the Mac and stuff like that. So, you know, I think, I think, I think in the long term, Tim Clewis is going to be the greatest coach that Iona ever sees unless Patino takes us to that Gonzaga East level that he wants to take, take us to before he retires. But I don't think he's ever going to get the credit and the billing for it that he deserves because of guys like Valvano and Patino and they have the name recognition. You know what I mean? Um, and that's nothing to take away from, from Valvano and Patino. They're, you know, they're hall of fame coaches, but I think, I think without Tim Clewis, you don't necessarily get Rick Patino. Agree. Now. Hundred you know percent. I mean, so that's my thoughts on it, and, and it's. it's you, talked just, about, you talked about the defense there too. I think I forgot to say my favorite thing about Tim Clouse was always that it, he always seemed to figure out that in March that you had to play defense, and he always seemed to have some kind of trick up his sleeve once the back tournament started that you wouldn't see during the regular season, and you just knew it was uncanny. And I think that. Uh, the first time you're kind of like, wow, I really appreciate Tim Clues is when uh, Iona lost but a couple of years ago to uh, when they had, I can't even remember what the interim coach was named, uh, but uh, you know, they just didn't play well that, that season. And it just, it obviously just appreciated him so much right away. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the other thing that, that Clues did is he kind of revolutionized how the conference in general recruits, you know what I mean? Like yeah. looking at the, looking at the transfer portal for guys who, who wanted to come back to the East coast, who wanted to be back in the New York city area and going after them and giving them an opportunity and saying, look at all we've done and look at what we're going to do with you in the future. I think that's, that's tremendous. You know, getting a guy like Momo Jones, you know what I mean? Like we would have never dreamed of that under Jeff Ruland or, you know, even Willard, I don't think would have ever gone after a guy like Momo Jones just because of whatever reason, you know, but I think getting guys like that, I think Scott, you know, getting a guy like Scott Machado was huge. Who's still playing in Australia, which is crazy to me. You know, he should be in, he should be on an NBA roster. I think, yeah. even still. I think, I think with the way he can score in buckets and the way he can create all, you know, with the ball, there's no reason he shouldn't be on somebody's roster, even as a, as a 10th or 11th guy off the bench, you know what yeah. I mean? But I think, I think, and I think you're seeing that now with, how he revolutionized the conference and how you're seeing smaller schools get these guys that shouldn't be able to get them. Like Milwaukee just picked up a top 50 recruit that was supposed to go to like Kansas or something like that. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, there's recruiting ties there, but you know, Milwaukee's getting guys. Um, uh, the kid who went to um, the HBCU this year, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like you're just seeing a difference in how things are happening. And obviously kids are realizing they don't want to go sit on the bench at, you know, Duke or UNC any longer. They want to go and be a star, even if it's at a small school, like, like Iona or like, um, like a, a, you know, a Murray state or, or something like that, because that's going to be a better pathway for them to the NBA than riding the bench and hoping that, you know, you get taken with a late second round pick. Yeah. As long as they don't blow up here, then transfer back up. Like some kids might try to do. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's always that now with recruiting, basically being a free for all. Yeah. But, but you got, you're right though. I mean, it's, it's something that was kind of frowned upon and people would say, well, that's why nobody's looking at Tim Clouse as a, as a coaching candidate to move up because of his approach to recruiting. And now 90% of college basketball is doing the same exact thing. They're go they're, mm -hmm. they're scouring the Juco's too. And they're, and they're, of course the, the portal is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he revolutionized recruiting in the Mac and we saw the results from that over time, but, and going back to the defense part of it. Yeah. I mean, anybody who we're talking about Twitter here a lot, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows I love to post about uh, the field goal percentage of our opponents yeah. during the games. Yep. Um, and Jane Daly was, was just to give me a running commentary on it as well. If I, it was a game I wasn't at. Um, but yeah, you'd see during the season, I only given up 55% from the field under Clues, And then by March it's 35%. And it's like, maybe that's just the kids picked up the system a little better or, uh, Brian, to your point, uh, there's, there's a wrinkle that he threw in all of a sudden they're doing a, a one, three, one and Isaiah Williams is on top of the matchup zone, just causing havoc, uh, you know, things like that are what you do. You save it for the tournament. Uh, yeah. and you know, they defended more and it makes it easy to win when you score like Iona does. And then you start playing just a little bit of defense. Um, yeah. so yeah, those were great times. Um, 
and there's no question about it. Um, so let's let's go a little forward here. Uh, so we had a season uh, last year where it was certainly exciting for Iona fans with Patino, but the biggest storyline, of course, was COVID. Um, how did you guys follow Iona basketball when you guys couldn't go to games? And I know, James, you don't even live in the area, so you weren't going to games anyway. Um, but, you know, there weren't games happening or, or they were – uh, just up at the last minute and, and all really, really have is social media to follow what's going on with the team because there's no, even the coverage was kind of a mess because you, you couldn't, you know, reporters couldn't go to games and things like that. Uh, talk about being a fan during COVID of Iona basketball. Brian, we'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll say about COVID is thank God it happened in this digital age, because could you imagine it happened like uh, 15 years ago when ESPN three was around? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't even be able to, like, what, what would they have done? You know, you wouldn't have been able to see anything, you know. You'd just be relying on maybe probably, like, a, a radio broadcast, maybe, um, if they even, you know, allowed that to happen. Like, um, but uh, I got to admit, like, as, you know, I was really excited for the season to start. But then as the – I'll be the first one to admit that, like, for a little while there, I kind of lost interest because it was just, like, are they going to play, like, Especially after what happened the season before, where it basically was just a uh, a long exhibition season, if you want to think about it, because they didn't even finish even conference tournaments, you know, most of them. Um, but then, you know, uh, like that Monmouth game, the couple of Monmouth games got me back into it, um, and then obviously it was just uh, a pretty incredible run from there. And uh, but I mean, how many from like November to like uh, January, you know, for like two months, where they but they play like two games, <laughs> maybe, 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 I don't know. And it's just like, it didn't seem what was going to happen. And, and honestly, even when, you know, they got, you know, off their last shutdown, you know, what, like two weeks before the season, two weeks before the season ended, like I didn't really have much confidence that um, luckily I think like the NCAA kind of started to kind of like, you know, you saw some teams that kind of were getting away with, you know, the protocol stuff a little bit, like they weren't as hard the last couple of weeks, it seemed like. And it uh, just didn't seem like they were going to finish, but then they did. And, and honestly, I was, I was shocked that they, uh, you know, there, there was the one little hiccup in the NCAA tournament where I, I can't remember who had to drop out, but, you know, they basically were flawless from, you know, uh, conference tournaments and then through the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was an unexpected result for me that they won, but it was pretty, pretty awesome to see it. You know, unfortunately, couldn't be there, but. Thank God that, you know, you know, for ESPN three plus, you know, because, uh, you know, you can just watch every game and, and that helped get through COVID, you know, it, especially, you know, <laughs> can really go anywhere anyway, but I'd probably still be sitting at home watching that on a game if it wasn't COVID. So. Mm-hmm. James. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's the same. I think, I think the big impetus for me to get ESPN plus was I own a game. So I could watch them, even if COVID wasn't a situation just because, you know, we'll get five or six, you know, ESPNU games or, you know, Fox Sports games if we're playing someone that, that has a tie-in in the Big East or something like that. But um, I, think, I think it was made a lot easier. I think Twitter, obviously, and having, you know, having folks like you and, and Jaden Daly and John Rothstein, I think, um, you know, when I couldn't be in front of the TV for a game was really, really key there. Um, and then I think... Yeah, I think I think in terms of the COVID season, I think I, I was I was in the same boat as Brian. I was like, there's no way we're getting there. Like after the third shutdown or the second shutdown, I was like, they should just pack it in. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, like something's going on clearly because they can't keep the team healthy or keep the team out of protocols. And then they got back on the court, they won a bunch of games, and then they shut it down again. And I was like, I was like, I don't think they're going to come back, but this is probably the smartest thing that they did. And it was good that it did because, you know, as it came out, there was only a couple guys, I think during that last shutdown that were in protocol. So they were still able to get guys like, you know, Nelly and, and, you know, Karoma, you know, I think, I don't think he was in protocols at that point, but, you know, get them into practice still because they could still do individuals and still do one-on-ones, even though the team was on pause, I think at that point and still get them acclimated, even if they were just watching video, you know, and I think that helped us win the tournament. I think, I think without that second pause, we don't beat Sienna. You know what I mean? Mm. I think, I think, I think Sienna, Sienna having played as many games as they did in as many days as they did, they were toast. Their legs were done. 
and we didn't have dead legs like that. Sure, we weren't the team wasn't acclimated to the system as as well as I'm sure anybody would like would have liked them to have been, but they were fresh, and that's what got them there, and that's what carried them in through that tournament when they had to play, you know, four games in five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's, it's it's I feel the same way. I mean, it was kind of like as the season was going on, it's like it's hard to get into. They're they're playing, then they're not playing, and the games are moving and all of that. Then the Monmouth games happen, and it's like oh this team could really turn out to be pretty damn good. Uh, and then they went on shutdown again. So then in my was like, there was that thought of Monmouth and the ability was there, but it was also like, well, you can almost see, you know, you can, you can understand it if they go and they lose in this tournament, they haven't practiced. They barely played games. You know, the odds of them going and playing four games well enough in a row to, to, to win the tournament is slim, you know, and then when the brackets came out and we saw that we were going to end up having to play Sienna early on, it's like, well, whatever happens, happens, you know? And then even after they, they, they blew out Quinnipiac in the first game, which didn't surprise me in the least, you know, then you're looking at Sienna who didn't play that day. And it's like, well, and that game was going on and Sienna's going up and they're up nine, but about nine minutes to go. And it's like, I had, I didn't give up. I know some people did. And I was close. I was like, uh, you know, hey, Sienna's a pretty good team, you know, and we are not there and all that. And then Barrick blocks Pickett at the basket. And and that's the moment I say that's the moment Sienna basketball died. Um, <laughs> and and then Iona just turned that around and just, you know, the rest was a blur and they just started winning. And um, we're like, it's just spoiled because it was the one year that we could have said, ah, we didn't win, but there's a reason for it, you know, yeah. and still we get spoiled and they win anyway. Um, and now, of course, uh, you know, we can talk about what's coming, what's coming on right now. I mean, we see the way we're recruiting, we lose an all-star backcourt and then we just go ahead and get another all-star backcourt from the portal. Uh, and then also let's throw in a, a forward from, from Louisville as well. And let's also bring in a couple of great looking freshmen and, uh, and let's not lose anybody of consequence to the portal ourselves. And let's look like we can go 12 deep and just run everybody out of the gym and have uh, certain people on Twitter saying that we can go undefeated in the Mac and all of that. What do you guys think is going to happen? I mean, I am already pumped for this season coming up. I have a feeling you guys are Brian start us off. I mean, you could be as realistic or as nuts as you want. We're all fans. You're talking. What do you think is going to happen this year? What, what, what is the worst case scenario for this year for you? What's the best case? You know, let's hear it. Uh, I mean, I'll start off with this. I mean, last year, I mean, you just can see how much coaching matters, especially in a conference like this, that how good, I mean, obviously the name speaks for itself, right, Patino, but just think about what he was able to do with basically no time and a bunch of new players in his first year. I mean, he was able to, I mean, I, I can't remember Iona's record last year, but I, I, I think they had probably somewhat like maybe like two, two times as many wins as they did losses last year, maybe mm-hmm. something like 15 and seven or something like that. Can't remember. Less 12 and six, I think. 12 and six. Right. That's after the Mac tournament. <laughs> uh, okay. And um, uh, now that he's had a full off season to do with the, especially if he like brings these kids to Greece, you know, like, I mean, honestly, I don't see any, I think they're going to lose a couple. I think they're going to lose two or three games in the in the conference this year, just because you know sometimes like just the other team is just on fire and there's nothing you can do about it. And they they play in the MAC, where it's just like you know it's just any the the worst team in the league can throttle the best team in the league. It, it seems almost every single year. You know, it's not like other conferences. And uh, but I mean, he, the guy is just such an amazing coach and and. and I, honestly, I don't see them losing. I, I don't know what's going to happen in a non-conference because that just usually happens right away. And, and you know, Tim Clouse always seems to struggle in non-conference because the guys just took a while to kind of click. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I, I see them. The only thing I can really predict is that I think they're just going to have probably their best conference season that, they, that we've ever seen. And more than three losses would probably surprise me this year just because – I. I just don't see Patino with all the time and really realistically probably no shutdowns coming this year across your fingers. Um, but um, I don't see how many of the other Mac teams can compete. Even the ones that were kind of getting, you know, that were the top teams last year, like Sienna is just like completely, they're, they're rebuilding now. And, um, you know, St. Peter's is, I think that's a kind of like that coach could be leaving at any time. I think, I mean, Holloway to me, I, I would be surprised if he's there past this year. 
And um, I mean, who else is really like really going to be good this year? Other than like maybe St. Peter's. Uh, I, I can't really, I don't follow probably, you know, the off season pickups from the other teams probably as close as you guys, but um, I just don't see any more than three losses. And if they happen to make the NCAA tournament this year, I, I'm predicting that they're going to have a, probably a 12 seed. James. I think, I think the big, the big thing going into this season was obviously, I think getting Trey James on campus mid season, getting him into the system, right? Like that, that was such a huge thing. Even if he wasn't going to play, you know, meaningful minutes, um, you know, last, last year, getting him there, getting him on campus, getting him understanding what a college program looks like, you know, he's got it. He, and he, and it was a free year. It, it costs him nothing because of, because of COVID. That's one of the, that's one of the best things about this is that guys that, that would have been out, you know, we're going to get an extra year out of in some respects potentially. And that's awesome because that's just another year of maturity. It's just another year in the system. And I think, I think getting, getting him in, in midseason, I think getting Nelly, you know, over when they did from Africa. I, I'm a, I'm a huge Nelly junior Joseph guy. I said it during the Seton hall game. I was like, he's the future of the program and he's going to be an NBA draft pick. And as long as he stays here, the sky's the limit with him because I think you put a little, you get him in the weight room, you get him a little bit more acclimated to, to the system. And I think, I think he's just, he's just a solid defender, which is obviously a hallmark of Patino teams and he can throw it down. You know, I think he's just going to be a centerpiece of the teams for a long time, you know, in terms of, in terms of running the offense, you know, in front of the hoop. So that's going to be key. And then obviously the defense, but I think, you know, I, I don't, I, anybody who says we're going to go undefeated in the conference clearly has never watched an entire season of Mac basketball, because I don't think, I can't even think of the last time there was an undefeated team in the conference. Like we, it never happened, you know, during the clueless years, you know, he would go, you know, 15 or, or 10 and one or something like that, you know, maybe two losses. I think it'll be interesting to see how the non-conference plays out more so than the conference. I think Iona is going to dominate the conference. I just think that they've got too much talent. They've got the time in the system. Um, I don't think, I think Siena having, you know, the mass exodus that they've had, St. Peter's has lost some, some of their big players too. So I don't think they're going to be as good as they were. But again, like, like Brian said, you know, I don't really follow who's coming into other schools. I only follow who's coming in Iona, but there's nobody, you know, Monmouth is always a threat because King Rice is a good coach. Um, and the teams are always good. He recruits well, but I'll be really interested to see what happens in the non-conference. I think, I think the thing that always hurt Iona teams under Tim Kluis is that we had to travel. So they'd be on the road for, you know, the first month and a half of the season and they'd have to, that's the only way they could get a game. So even if they were playing Florida Gulf coast and, you know, they were playing them on the road, you know, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with, we have a garden game this year, right? Yep. See, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the garden looks like for, for Iona this year. Um, and it'll just be really interesting to see how that plays out. Cause I think that's going to be a really good barometer for how we play in the conference. You know, I think, I think if we can, you know, split those, then winning the, winning the conference at regular season with one or two losses is absolutely on the table. I think worst case scenario, somebody, somebody gets hurt, you know, Nelly or, or Trey or, or one of the incoming transfers gets hurt and we're kind of struggling to, to fill holes kind of like how we did, this year when, yeah. when we had some injuries at the beginning of the season. So um, yeah, but I think, I, I, I think they're going to win the conference going away. And I think they're going to, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic than Brian is. I'm going to go with a nine seed here, I think, because I think they're just going to dominate the conference and they're just going to, I think there's going to be, I think there's a potential for a national ranking this year, you know, low 24, 25, but they're just going to, they're just, they just, there's, there's nobody that can compete with them on paper right now. I don't, all right. Well, I'm going to say a couple of things. One, you guys are going to be, when, when people comment on this, especially if they're fans of Sienna or something, but they're going to call you guys as delusional as any Sienna fan out there that talk about a nine seed, even a 12 seed might be reaching a bit. We'll see. Um, but I'm going to hit on a few things. Number one, I, I do think a bit, there's a, uh, the benefit of Patino in terms of players. So we were talking a little before about players transferring down or transferring up and all of that. I think it's less likely we'll lose a good player like a Nelly who would normally, if, if Nelly were at another Mac school would be gone already, probably the, mm -hmm. uh, but when you have a Patino here, you're already getting somebody with those NBA with, with the professional connections and um, yeah, you're not playing the best competition night in and night out, but I, I, it's, it's harder to walk away from a Patino to go to somebody else. 
you know, you'd have to be going to basically another guy who's like maybe one of the top 10 coaches in college basketball, if you're going to leave Iona to go somewhere else at this point. So I do think we're going to, we are very fortunate in that regard that I don't think you're going to see Nelly leave. I don't think you're going to see anybody else who's really good leave because they have, uh, think they have better choices somewhere else to go. So that's a positive. Uh, so let's talk about scheduling. It's a blessing and a curse to have somebody like Patino, uh, because what I'm hearing is that, uh, nobody really wants to play us. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the hazard of being a, a program that has Repetino and now with all this ability on the roster. Um, but the other side of it too, is that Patino's scheduling policy, he wants to build our schedule and build our program the way Gonzaga did, but maybe we'll never be at that level, but of you're not playing guarantee games. We don't want to, we don't want to get a check to go play a big school on their floor. Bettino is completely against that. Look at our schedule right now. There's not one guarantee game on there. Um, everything is a series. Even the biggest game we had last year was at Seton Hall, but they're playing us at the garden now. So you're, you know, so it's, that's part of, his, of an agreed upon series, you know? So it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because what's happening right now is they're not able to fill the schedule just yet. I'm curious to see what happens with the games that are left, um, but it's not going to be quite as strong a schedule as what we had heard about and thought about which diminishes those chances for the seeds you guys are talking about. I mean, for Iona to get, to get this, a seed, that's even a 12, let's talk, let's forget nine for a minute. <laughs> uh, let's talk 12. Iona probably would have to go. I mean, cause you probably have to be like a top 50 team to get, to, to get that kind of uh, uh, I'm top 50 mid, you know, uh, mid major anyway, uh, that has to, to do that. You probably have to go like 19 and one in the league. You probably can't afford to lose more than one or two games out of conference. And it has to be against, you know, Kansas or Alabama and Florida. And maybe the Seton Hall game in the garden would be acceptable, you know, but otherwise, I mean, if you're playing even good mid majors, you pretty much have to win those games to get those, those kinds of seeds. So I'll dial it down a notch. I think a 13 seed is very possible. That's usually where really good mid majors fall. 12 is an exception. These days, especially with the way they now have the seating and there's the extra team getting the buy at, and they're playing, they're doing, they're doing uh, not buys. They're doing uh, playing games at the 11 seed, which bumps everybody else down a notch um, basically. Um, so a 13, I think is realistic. If we go say, I don't know, 17 and three in the conference, maybe lose three games out of conference. You know, I think a 13 is, is possible in that scenario, but even that depends on a few things. So yeah, obviously, though, we're all optimistic. That's the bottom line. Um, the MAC itself is going to be fun. I, I agree going undefeated in, in league play in any league. I mean, unless you're Gonzaga, and even they didn't go undefeated in their league, right? And then they lose a game? No, they didn't. Uh, but they, oh, yeah. they had they sweat out one game against BYU, though. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to get tested. And, and you know, Iona's going to be very good, but they're not going to be that good where it's just not going to be close against anybody in the MAC. There are, there are some teams in the MAC that, are going to have flashes of, of great play of themselves. They're not going to be necessarily great teams, but they'll have flashes. Um, and one thing I had said talking about Mac recently is um, yeah, those top teams in the Mac kind of did this a little bit, but the bottom teams are all kind of doing this. So two through 11, it's just flip a coin. They're all going to be pretty good. I actually have said Ryder, I think is going to be very good, even though they finished 11th last year. I think Fairfield wasn't a flash in the pan, just got hot in time for the tournament. They returned like almost everybody. So I think they're going to be pretty good this year. And they figured, they figured it out over the year, the way I look at it. So it's going to be a fun Mac year, but there are going to be chinks in the armor. I think, I think injuries could, could add to it. If Iona loses, especially one of the guards uh, that transferring in uh, could, could lead us, leave us a little thin back there. Um, but boy, yeah, I love the potential just like you guys. I mean, well, I'll go delusional though. This is a fan podcast. This is a fan. Exactly. Podcast. We're, the, we're the first couple of guys that you've had that, that, that had literally no reason to be on here. So, <laughs> so let no, no, this is a fan forum though. So yeah. <laughs> I own it to get a nine seed probably do have to run the table in the Mac. Um, and probably can't lose more than two games out of conference. Uh, and one of those would have to be a game in Florida to either Alabama or Kansas. I think what, what, what did Sienna do to get that nine seed, you know, uh, that yeah. they, well, the on, Mac, the Mac was considerably on, stronger uh, though at that time. If you go look at Ken Palm ratings, the Mac okay. yeah, is probably sense. quite a bit better, which helps. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I think the Mac could be a little better this year, but we're, I don't know if they're going to get back out of that top, out of the bottom, uh, you know, where they've been in the twenties last few years, but back then, I mean, 
up until like five years ago, the Mac was always in the teens and yeah. uh, Ken Palm. And, and now it's kind of settling in the twenties, which does not bode well because you're just not getting enough quality games that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Sienna had, there were, there weren't great teams in the Mac when Sienna was that good, but they were good ones. Um, Iona definitely was not. Um, and I like to joke. The only reason Sienna won is because uh, Iona wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have to play Iona in March. We could do um, a whole, we could do a whole other podcast on just that. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> uh, so no, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, and it's, 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 it, there is the ability to, to, to border on delusion. How good can an Iona be? Are they going to be that good or are they going to be uh, pretty good? You know, they, I mean, as far as mid majors go, I mean, this was a team that was a 15 seed last year. Uh, so, you know, what's the ceiling? Is it a nine? Is it a 12? Is it a 13? It, it really depends on how the out of conference schedule shapes up and how good the Mac shapes up because those computer ratings mean a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The, the net rankings really kind of, kind of, you know, they've changed the game. I, I agree with you there, but I think, I think if the, if the, if the out of conference isn't going to be as strong as we were hoping it was going to be this year. I mean, I think that definitely, obviously you've got Florida, the Florida tournament, which, you know, is probably not going to be, you know, a win, win, win the tournament sort of thing, you know, with, with the likes of Alabama and Kansas in it. But I think, I think there's the possibility there that if, if the, the three strongest or two, if two of the three strongest games on there include either Kansas or Alabama and Seton Hall, and then whoever else we fill it with, you know, I'd love to see us run it with UMBC because we weren't able to do that this year. You know what I mean? Because of the, because of the COVID shutdown, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this right now and the message board can come after me, come after it. St. John's, what are you waiting for? You guys <laughs> think you're the best. You want to be the best. You got to beat the best. And it ain't you right now. That's so, I'd love this. I'd love to see St. John's and Iona at the garden, man. Just that place would be electric, I think. But I mean, I think there's enough, enough mid-majors in the area that, that are strong enough that, that the non-conference, you know, we may not win them all, but you know, if we had to fill them out with, with the likes of, of Yale and, and Harvard, like we've done in previous years, I think that's a strong, strong first full, you know, scheduling year for Patino. And I think, I think you're going to see as I, I think what will happen is, is as we move up our profile as a program and we start getting higher rankings, just based on doing things like running, you know, maybe going, you know, 19 and one in the conference and, you know, maybe taking four losses, five losses total this year. Um, you know, I think, I think teams are going to start seeing us and wanting to schedule us in the same way that they want to schedule, you know, Gonzaga now, and they want to test themselves against Gonzaga, you right. know, to get that bump from, from recruiting them and not from facing them rather. And, you know, we're not going to be a number, you know, we're not going to be a top 10 Ken Palm team or anything like that, but, you know, there's some merit in playing a top 50 team and, and, taking a loss against them a loss against the top 50 teams better than a win against a 150 to 200 team i think any day of the week and that's the the x factor is patino i still think the x factor is no matter what is patino i mean i just think he's just just, you just can't say enough about him and and honestly uh the defense is going to be so good to the point where if the offense is 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 just better than it was last year um you know i think it'll be a little more well-rounded you know we're kind of just depending on Isaiah Ross to score, uh, you know, 25 points a game. Um, and uh, I, honestly, I just think it, just with him as the coach, I mean, just, you just saw it like down the stretch and look at that Alabama game. I mean, it, it was just, it was, I mean, they had, they actually had a chance to win that game. I mean, it was just yeah. incredible. It was the best, it was the best effort I could ever remember them showing against a tournament and they just look like they belong. And um, if they, if they can find that, that, effort with with that coaching i mean i just i just don't see how they can have it down here or even just be below expectations because um and, and obviously yeah we are fans here we're, we're gonna say that they're probably gonna do better than, than, than they might but um and i'm still holding out hope that they're gonna schedule one game at that new belmont arena because mm-hmm. you know we talked about how he got the islanders tickets with uh, lou amarillo and their uh their uh providence ties and everything and I'm sure that arena is going to be looking to schedule some college basketball games. And I'm still holding out hope that, you know, that's 10 minutes away from me. And so I hope that they can, uh, they can get a game there at some point. Cause I know St. John's was talking about doing a game there. So maybe they'll hit those two birds with one stone there, James, and they'll get St. John's at the, uh, the new uh, Islanders. Arena. I, I don't oh, man, I'd be one, happen, I'd be one of the first guys imagine. for tickets for that. As, as a long Island kid, I would be one of the first people in line for tickets for a St. John's 
Iona game at UBS Arena. Mm. I'm fine for that too. <laughs> no question. Uh, but no, I, I, I think the logic is from St. John's point of view and Iona. Let's put it this way. I know, for, I know for a fact that Iona has tried very hard to get St. John's on the schedule and they just refuse. Um, and the reasoning is simple is they, there's too much, there's no reward for them in their minds, but like you said, you know, you guys both said it, uh, you put that computer rating higher up on a regular basis, then it all of a sudden it's not a bad loss if you lose that game. And then potentially it's a good game if you win it, cause you gain all those points of winning a, what would be a neutral site game. If it's, if it's there, uh, in essence, I, they wouldn't be considered a St. John's home game, but it's not at the guard or at Karnaseka. So, um, there is a benefit to them. And maybe that's something we'll see next season. Who knows? Um, but uh, somebody asked me, we're t- you guys were talking about the offense. Um, somebody asked me on Twitter, um, how can I own a replace the scoring of, of Ross and Gist, you know, uh, and how are they going to be better offensively? And I, and I, you know, cause I've said that and people are like, how can you say that? And I have a couple of reasons behind it. One, the guys they're bringing in, especially a, a joiner, he has a great, I mean, a great assist to turnover ratio as good as Asante Gist was at creating a shot for himself and getting to the line. He did not, he turned the ball over quite a bit for somebody who's yeah. kind of playing point guard for us, even though granted he is not truly a point guard and he'll probably be the first to tell you that. Um, but you know, so we're going to be a little more efficient on offense. We won't, I don't think we'll turn the ball over as much as we have. That's number one. And number two, we're going to be deeper, which means we're going to press which means we're going to get out and transition more, which means we're going to score more points and we're going to have more possessions and score more points just based on that. So um, I think with those two factors, I know we'll probably score more points per game and do it more efficiently. And of course the defense will be the defense. So I think to me, that's where my optimism is that we're just going to run people out. I mean, we can throw 12 guys out there right now. At least it looks that way. And even if it turns out that a couple of these guys are not quite as good, you're going to tell me we're going to, we can play, we can't play 10 of them. Uh, there's no way. I mean, and you guys brought up Greece before. I'm, I'm, you can't tell me that if we have, if Patino has an entire off season to put in all these presses we didn't use and, and, and because we had no depth last year or less depth, I should say. Uh, and, and I mean, how good can this team be defensively and in transition coming off the press and, and all this? I mean, given that we're going to be able to play, we think probably at least 10 guys and maybe even more of the menus 12. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I definitely see us going 10. I don't know if I see us going 12, just, you know, I was at, while you were, while we were talking about, it, I was looking at who is listed on the roster for next year already. Cause they, they, I don't think they can list, um, you know, some of the transfers and stuff like that. Cause they're not there yet, but I mean, we definitely can, I mean, the, the depth is there and they've got the time in the system. I don't see us, you know, I, I, I you always want to see a, a local kid get in there, but I couldn't see um, James Carey, you know, playing a t- tremendous amount of meaningful minutes. So, okay. So you take him off. Okay. So we got 11 guys there, you know, Colton Cashaw, he, he had flashes, but you know, again, he was, you know, freshman in the system, you know, we'll see what he can do this year. I think he's more of a depth guy, you know, maybe a, a junior senior kind of guy where he'll be able to contribute more meaningful minutes, but, you know, just, but I think at the end of the day, I think, I think in games, you know, in some of those games where we are, kind of running away with it, being able to get, you know, get those guys the meaningful minutes there and, you know, actually playing more than, you know, the last two minutes of a garbage time blowout will be helpful. And having that time to prepare in Greece or even just on campus to get them ready for those situations, I think will be huge just because I think that was, I think that was the Achilles heel this year. He just didn't have the time, right? I mean, Nelly didn't get to campus until October, I want to say, and then he had to quarantine you know what I mean? And then the starts and stops and what, what, what was allowed to occur during the starts and stops was, was very inconsistent just because of the severity of things. Um, but you know, the world's trending in the right direction and I don't think we're going to see any shutdowns this year. I mean, you know, I work in inter division three intercollegiate athletics in New York and we were told on Friday that there are no more restrictions on athletics. Mm, so, great. you know, we'll see what happens there, but, um, no, more time is uh, more time is always better than less time. Obviously, yeah. Brian, for uh, talk about as, as deep as they're going to be, I, I, it's, it's obviously going to depend on, on the player too. Because if we saw anything last year, it's that Dino will not put anybody on the floor that he doesn't think is ready to play on the defensive end. Um, and and you saw it right. The most shocking thing I think we saw last year was when he brought in uh, Weiss 
in the game against Alabama to play what, like 12 minutes or something like that, uh, when Chavez was sitting on the bench and is clearly the better, you know, probably the better player, right? Um, but uh, obviously, Patino will not put somebody on the floor that he does not think is ready to play defense. And that, that might contribute to how deep they go this year because there could be a couple guys that he brings in that obviously Chavez was a guy he brought in, but, um, you know, he didn't whatever happened in practice and we'll probably never know, but like he wasn't ready to play defense and he didn't play because of that. And I just think that's probably we're talking about maybe going 10 to 12 deep. It's going to depend on that because, uh, you know, we're just not going to know that until the season starts. All right. So I am fully aware that you guys have other interests that you get into on Twitter behind beyond I on the hoops. And in the interest of entertainment, I'm going to get you. I, I do think you guys have a, a, a different interest. Uh, I don't know, maybe professional wrestling. Certainly, well, this is this is not a wrestling podcast, nor is it a New York Mets podcast or anything like that. Uh, or even it's it, maybe even it's a it's a podcast to tell a, oh I don't know a Brian Byer story or something. Who knows? Um, well, I'll start with this because you know I'm sure he won't be the first one to come out and say that he's a big wrestling fan, but you know. I've ran into him time to time at Mets games, but I've also ran into time to time at the Barclays Center uh, at uh, various WWE events as well. Um, so uh, I know for a fact that he's a big fan because we've had not only seen each other at these events, but, uh, you know, over a couple of beers that I don't think it exists anymore, but at the Backyard Pub in New Rochelle, we've had a couple of beers talking about, you know, the world of wrestling uh, in the backyard there. And, uh, Obviously, with COVID shut down, wrestling is kind of you know in a weird state right now. But um, you know, obviously, this on video, obviously on the uh, on the uh, podcast, they won't see this. Obviously, because but you know, I bring my money in the bank briefcase to every single event that I go to, whether whether it's at Madison Square Garden, Barclays Center, or uh, you know, uh, uh, I've been to other places too, like Philly and um, some other places, but. Uh, I think that James is actually might be a bigger wrestling fan than I am. So uh, I'll let him take it for a little bit here. I mean, I'll comment on what he's going to say. I mean, I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's the only consistent fandom of anything I've had my entire life is, is that really, you know, I mean, from, as I remember going to, uh, what was it like price chopper in Poughkeepsie and when, when you, when grocery stores have video rentals and renting, Royal Rumble 1992 when Macho Man and Flair uh, went at it in the Royal Rumble for the title and Flair's all bloodied up and stuff like that and he's screaming in his post-match promo and stuff but yeah no Brian Byer is a huge wrestling fan and actually Brian told me that Brian Heafy told me that not Byer but Oh God what what can I say about wrestling I don't I don't even know where to start man it's- I mean uh, the first day I'll I'll just jump in here for a second. I mean, the greatest thing about wrestling for me is just going in person, right? I mean, you oh, absolutely. To, if, you go, if you go to a great a great show that has the buildup, I mean, like, people who knock it, I just want to be like, come with me to one of these shows, whether it's, you know, a, a WWE pay-per-view or, or an NXT event whenever they come around yeah. here. Um, I mean, just come to me to one of these shows, and at the end, if you still don't like it, then, you know, that's fine. But you, if you, if you like to have a few adult beverages and just, you know, stand up and cheer, I mean, it is the greatest live event i can say that you could probably go to yeah oh i my, my wife got into it for a little bit it's like we would do date nights and go to raw when it would come to the verizon center when we were living in, in the northern virginia area and even she said she's like this is not my cup of tea but i understand why you find this entertaining and you know the knock even still you know oh it's fake it's fake it's fake yeah is it is it scripted is it is it pre you know is it predetermined sure but there's a reason why you know, former college basketball players are now, you know, on Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, dude out of USF, I can't think of his real name now. You know, he's he's a he's a guy on TV. And, you know, you're seeing uh, one of the Amer- American Ninja Warriors, Casey Canizero. She's in NXT or was for, for a little while. And you're getting professional and uh, amateur wrestlers who are considering it instead of going to UFC and stuff like that. So is it predetermined? Yeah. Is it, are they actually, you know, hitting their backs on the mat and jumping, you know, 15 feet in the air off of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, but no, to, to go with what Brian was saying, no, there's nothing better than being there live. I mean, even, even on the worst, I don't want to say the worst night, cause there've been some really rough things that happened, 
in pro wrestling that should never have happened. But even on a bad night, like it's still fun. Like watching Brock Lesnar rip a car door off and throw it into the crowd. Freaking amazing. Or it's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, just the there's a reason why guys like Dwayne Johnson are is the biggest movie yeah. star in the world, right? Without professional wrestling, I mean, yeah, he's a charismatic guy, but without professional wrestling to teach him how to memorize scripts and stuff like that, he doesn't become who he is. You know, John Cena's doing it. I mean, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan was was a he was a, a household name. He still is a household name, maybe not for the right reasons any longer, but you know, everybody in 1991 and 1992 knew who he was, and everybody mm-hmm. knows who Ric Flair is. And yeah, you're right. You know, there's there's some there's it's fun, right? Like. Like, do you go watch Fast and the Furious Nine because you think that cars are going to start flying through the air across, ta- you know, across towers in, in Abu Dhabi? No, you go because it's fun and it's it's fantasy and it's and there's a level of escapism associated with it. But you know, it's fun. I love it. It's 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 my it's my three hour escape on Monday nights from the world. Well, well, this is this is why you're able to project Iona as a nine seat. It's an exactly, escapism. I have optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am, I'm, I'm the biggest homer in the world when it comes to Iona, man. I think Iona should win everything. Yeah. You know, well, hey, hey, you know, it's going to be a fun ride because, you know, you can see almost disappointment if Iona kind of eh, goes like 16 and four, maybe 500 right. out of conference, but still wins the Mac tournament, gets another 15 seat. Everybody's going to be disappointed. Yeah. And isn't that crazy? That's how spoiled we all are. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but there is, you know, that level of still entertainment that we're going to get from this season. It's not scripted <laughs> uh, yeah. and it's, but it, but it'll have as much drama as, as any wrestling. Yeah. Um, so, I gotta, the last thing I'll say about the whole wrestling thing is too, is it, 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 what did I start? it has a little people bit have, of tie People have turned off this thing by now. It, it, it has a little bit of tie to the though, because Uh-oh. if you remember last off season, when he was going back and uh, uh, maybe during the season, when he was going back and forth with his kid there from, that was coaching uh I was coaching uh, Minnesota. Patino is a wrestling fan as well. Okay? That's so let's right. Not forget, let's not forget that. And I would like to see at one point Patino because he's a wrestling fan. And actually, one of the biggest superstars in WWE right now is actually an Iona grad. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Her name is Mandy Rose. Yeah. Okay. And she graduated, I believe, in like 2010 or 2011. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, she's one of the biggest, uh, women superstars in WWE right now. And, uh, you know what, I, I would like to see maybe Patino try to connect that to get her on campus and come to a game as a, as a, as a visitor, and maybe they can do a promotion or something. You know, I, I'm just, this is what I'm thinking. So, uh, <laughs> if I, if I had a dollar for every time Michael Cole reminded us that she got a speech pathology degree from Iona college, my, yeah. I would, I, I would be able to buy a lot bigger of a house in Nashville than we're going to buy. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe Brian Beyer, who I know religiously listens to this podcast because you just can't get enough in my voice, um, <laughs> is hearing this and is, is the wheels are turning. We'll see. Um, hey, guys, it's been awesome. Thank you both for taking your time to join us today uh, uh, and, and share your knowledge and thoughts and wrestling insights with all of uh, the Iona fan base and anybody else uh, dumb enough to listen to us. Um, <laughs> but uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Um, uh, James, I don't know when I'll get to actually meet you in person, but I hope we do. No, uh, are, you, are, are you guys going anywhere to any of these road trips that we'll be taking for Iona? I think I'm going to go to the Florida tournament. Oh, perfect. I'll be down there too. Yeah. Cause um, I'll be dri- I'll be driving distance from there at yeah. that point. So, okay. So I will definitely see you there, Brian. I have a feeling I'm going to see you at Broccolino outside of uh, the Barkley center. We'll see. I- I'm going to do my best. I'm actually, I'm not a father yet. And by the way, happy father's day to you guys tomorrow. Uh, but my wife is due in two weeks. You can probably oh. see all the stuff that's behind me. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously I'll play it by ear to see what we see, you know, next you know few months. Uh, we'll see how everything is. And uh, believe me, I'm going to try to get to as many games as I possibly can. Absolutely. Well, uh, I hope to see you guys both during this season. It's great that we're actually going to talking about going to games again and all that. Um, so stay healthy. Good luck with the baby. Uh, and uh, I will talk to you guys during the season. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Go, Iona. Hey, give these guys a follow on Twitter. That's Brian Heafy at The Real Heafy. That's T H E R E A L H E A P H Y. And James Algone at J A U G O N E. Follow them both for some good comedy, for some Iona hoops, and professional wrestling. Mercifully, 
this roundtable, and this episode is over. I own a Twitterverse as a wild ride, so follow these guys out there and join us in the gutter of all social media, Twitter. Until next time, when this podcast will return to the beacon of journalistic integrity you have all come to expect. See you, Gale Nation. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher, Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.